Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community, market, and audience. Please take a moment and visit our website, www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. You'll find hundreds of episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to you as a business creator and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now, here's today's episode. Let's get started. My name is Adam Homie. I'm your host, and I am honored once again by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. Here at the Business Creators Radio Show, we take you into the field to take you to those places where you have those mastermind meetings and aha moments that either change your life or at least bring you a little bit closer to serving from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. Sometimes you may hear ambient noise in the background as we truly do physically go into the field. Whereas today, I'm streaming to you from my sumptuous living room here in beautiful Las Vegas, known to some on some days as the hottest city in America. I'm on my purple couch with my black cats, and we're going to have a conversation about one of the key metrics or dynamics or sweet spots of the Business Creators Radio Show. Among our key avatar audiences are folks who have started an entrepreneurial venture and they've been doing it basically on a solopreneurial basis, but they've reached that point where it's time to leverage, time to build a team, whether it's a physical in-person team, a virtual team, a hybrid team, an asynchronous team, whatever it is. And there's so much information out there that tells you, I'll just share a real quick story before we introduce our guest here. Oh, I remember this one time I was on um I was on a uh on a webinar and I it was about this whole thing of you know leveraging virtual teams and things like that. And somebody went in the comments that I, I've just hired I just hired three virtual assistants, a copywriter, a webmaster, uh a, a social media person, and I think they list uh, a bookkeeper and and I think they mentioned three other things. It's like, okay, so you went, you went, basically what you did is you went and picked everything off the shelf, threw it in your cart, took it up to the checkout and put it on your credit card. That's great. But what's the plan behind that? And this is where I see folks struggle when it comes to leveraging. And this is where I struggled the first time that I went from solopreneurial to leveraging. So some of what we share today are things I wish I would have known uh, 17 years ago, but here we are now. To share with us today on this topic, we have Andrea McKenzie, who is the founder of Lead with Harmony, and she's a team and leadership development expert and hiring strategist who helps growth-oriented business owners and executives develop and lead themselves and their teams toward higher performance, lower stress, and stronger leadership. She enjoys working with clients who aim for growth and well-being for themselves and for those they hire, serve, and inspire. All right, this is what we need. Andrea, come on in. The weather's fine. <laughs> hey, Adam. Thank you so much for that introduction. I'm so glad to be here. All right. There's a, 
there are, I had a chance to research you a bit. I visited your website. I've seen some of your qualifications, uh, certifications, some of the things that you, uh, some of the places you've been featured, some of the clients you've worked with. And I'm actually kind of afraid to share it because it's so awesome that I'm not sure I'm worthy to be here. And this is my show. So what we like to do here, like we do with every single one of our guests, is actually turn it over to you. Tell us a bit in your own words about something about your journey, what's brought you to where you are today, serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. Yes. Oh, I love that. Brilliance and passion. Um, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, what's funny is I could give you all the list of, you know, qualifications and certifications, but I think what ultimately makes me want to help leaders and, well, I shouldn't just say leaders, anyone be a leader, right? Be a leader of themselves or um, people create great teams and great work environments really comes from being an employee, coming from some of the earliest jobs I had <laughs> coming out of undergrad, yeah. right? Being that rock star kind of uh, go-getter person in, in my, you know, late teens, early 20s and, and not really landing in spots and going from lateral job to lateral job. Like, I feel like people, so many people, there's so much research around how many people go to work every day and just hate it. Like, they don't, they're not where they want to be. And it's just there's if there's anything I can do to shift that in people's lives and and for the employer and for the employee, I, I'm in. Um, but yeah, I mean my my background. I mean I started off as as a musician. Um, I came out of school with a music degree, right? Okay. <laughs> in undergrad. So my resume was not going to tell anyone about what I was capable about, and that was huge. That was huge because there was so much I was capable of, to the point where lateral job to lateral job, right? I go back for my MBA because I was like, well. <laughs> My resume is not telling anybody what I can do, so I better change that, right? Not that I necessarily needed that to be able to be who I am and contribute what I can contribute, but it's that, that you know, validation, right? And coming out of there, I went into consulting, right into a large consulting firm where it was just all about, you know, process improvement and, and organizational improvement and the bottom line and the piece that a lot of times was missing is who are these people? Uh -huh. What do they want? Right. Talk about passion and, and, you know, brilliance, right. Where is that in this equation? And I think, yeah, I think just even given the fact that you use those words, we're on the same page, Adam. So I'm excited, really, again, really excited to be here talking about this. Oh, I graduated from Penn State with a, with a major in political science yep. and minors in history and Middle East studies. <laughs> yep. I thought I was going to be a lawyer until uh, until right before I graduated. I attended a seminar taught by one of the adjunct professors in the Dickinson School of Law. And hearing how this guy described the practice of law, I mean, he was... He was charismatic. He was mesmerizing. He sucked you in and made you hang on his every word as he took you through the ins and outs of the realities of the practice of law. And in yeah. three hours, he told me that whatever convinced me to be a lawyer had nothing to do with what I wanted to be in life. Now, mm -hmm. I don't mean that to knock on attorneys because I have friends who are attorneys. We've had guests on the show who are attorneys. And most attorneys I know are are excellent people they do great work and they take their roles as advocates very seriously and i think in large part the world is better 
because of the work they do. They make the world a better place by being in it, by their contributions to it. But at the same time, that personality was not for me. And I was yes. seen that <laughs> seminar like three years earlier. So that means that I uh, graduated and ended up going through a series of total crap jobs, one of which was so bad that the day I was forced to resign for, from it, I celebrate as my second birthday, literally my second birthday, <laughs> April 27th. And I tell the story in my contribution to the anthology Journeys to Success and Millennial Edition. So, ha. Huh. They they told yeah they told me uh, that uh, I didn't have a clue I had no idea how business worked and good luck finding somebody who would put up with someone like me yeah sure I just wrote a bestseller about it okay so <laughs> fuck you anyway yeah. <laughs> oh oh and I get oh and I oh and I get to say fuck you too and in the in the, in the environment of business so uh, our listeners now trust what? me Andrew our, our our listeners know we go right to the edge and sometimes over it here and uh and i just get a sense from you that you know you and your following are folks who are very real people and tend to get really for lack of a word amped up and and into (laughs) it and and we get real and we get very raw and that's one of the things i really love here and it's especially for folks who are in their earlier stages of entrepreneurs because in my experience just from myself and others i've seen it's usually after that first year the person who hangs out their shingle and does their own thing after jumping out of a a job or evolves their side hustle into something that they can do full time there's usually about a year into that where they're to the point where they're just about ready to start leveraging and I also mentioned that after all that, I went back and got my MBA in human resource with the concentration in human resource management. Then I uh, then uh, my, my goal was to become a Fortune 100 training and development director. That's where I was going with it. I did the interviews. I got a couple job offers. I turned them all down because I, I got the entrepreneurial bug. Uh, that's the short version of it. Yeah. But uh, in terms of did I monetize my MBA? Yeah, because it because having those three letters after my name helped me close two deals that other entrepreneurs involved in marketing couldn't touch simply because those clients appreciated that that gave me a background in the environment of business that most uh, people in the entrepreneurial marketing space just don't have. Yeah. And, and sometimes they do have it, but just the fact that I have those three letters gave me the credentialization. So I do it again. Yeah, people care about that stuff. I mean, I guess what I'm saying is <laughs> it's not always so cut and dry, right? You, if you went to B school, you know there were some people in B school that were not going to necessarily come out of there being <laughs> being the, the rock star that you are, right? So it, it's an interesting, that's a whole other to- topic, right? But I feel like, you know, your your journey here of, of finding yourself is, is an extremely interesting one. And yeah, this idea that we end up in crap jobs, right? And that there uh-huh. are people still in those crap jobs for year after year after year. I mean, let's change that, you know? Um, there's no reason for it in the end. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, yeah. Sorry, so I was just going to say that the other piece that you touched on there was that people, you know, a year in or whatever, they start to think about how they can leverage people. And, you know, I always think like the, the sooner the better. I mean, when you're starting a, a large company, you're recruiting people before you're even making a dime, right? It, it's right. understanding that if you want to grow, you will need people, whether that's outsourced initially or whatever, um, you will need them. That's an investment you will need to make, <laughs> right? Period. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so, my 
So the final point I wanted to make on that is that I totally forgot what my point is, but we're going to continue our conversation. <laughs> sorry. And about sorry. in about two minutes, I'm going to jump in. Oh, I remember what it is now. Yeah, uh, you know, you mentioned some of your classmates in the MBA in the MBA program. Well, I know that Duquesne University has an uh, has excellent MBA program. I'm so glad I went there. I mean, yeah. I gained so much from it that I'm still using to this day. I can also say that about the fast food job I worked at in college, but yeah, exactly. that's another story. <laughs> which brings to the point that there's lessons there's lessons to be found everywhere exactly. that you may end up applying later, yes. not even recognizing that at the time you're receiving them, there are lessons you'll end up using. Yes. It's like you have those aha moments in those mastermind meetings you go along in life. Uh, yes. Now, a lot of the folks there were... Uh, were taking the tuition reimbursement ride. Yep. Or they were taking the we'll buy your MBA as long uh, in, in exchange for you sell your soul to us for 3 years afterwards so we get our money back out of it. And uh and uh, and and all and all you had to do was listen to the professors and the case studies they brought up to know which companies were sending all their students over. So uh, yeah. I found out pretty quickly, and this was, uh, you know, to put it in a in a in a time frame, and folks may or may not remember this or even know what I'm talking about. But if anybody is listening from the Pittsburgh area, uh, the time I was in MBA school, 2000 to 2002, there was a company in Pittsburgh called Free Markets, uh, which was involved in uh, in uh, something involving supply chain. I don't know what the all I know is I was a temp there for 16 days and I saw the inside of it and I realized and I realized the thing was uh, basically um, a string hanging by a thread that was going to collapse any time. But boy, you can, but boy, if you said anything negative about free markets in any class, the professor looked at you <laughs> like you had three eyes. And the reason was, and I figure out afterwards, is because they, because they were making a lot of money off employees of that company who were going through their MBA program. Yeah. So what I like, so what I love to tell people, and uh, and this actually rubs a few people the wrong way, and that I, I actually find it even funnier, is I like to remind them. Ariba bought free markets. It wasn't a merger. <laughs> Those who are listening uh, have an idea of what I'm talking about because Ariba acquired it. Uh, in one of my classes, and I write about this in my book, actually, not this particular thing, but the but the class I was in where I learned about the whole thing about you know keeping your meetings on time, same professor, um, had the human resource directors of both free markets and Ariba come into their class uh, one week after the other to do presentations now the free markets guy comes in he he looks like he hasn't bathed in a week and uh you can tell he probably smoked a whole bong before he walked in and uh the first thing he did when he got up uh on stage uh stood up behind the lectern standing on the podium is he uh is he said well i changed my title so that those idiots at the uh society for human resource management wouldn't find me and bother me and then he went on to ramble about his love of uh, hiking and skiing the Ariba guy comes in the next week. Uh, he's wearing a nice press suit, and he's and his entire presentation is about current bleeding edge trends in human resources and training and development. And I said at that point, free. I said at that point, Ariba will buy free markets in five years, and it happened five years later. Well, there you go. You predicted it. <laughs> I bring that. That may sound I, like a that <laughs> may sound like a tangent, but it actually leads to something here. Remember, I mentioned that I tempt inside one of those companies and in the 16 days I figured out it was a string hanging yeah. by a thread yeah. a lot of that had to do because I I saw that their people management had left a lot to be desired uh and and sometimes that happens in startups that grow really fast and they just need to hire 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 Ugh. and uh and uh yeah. and, and, they're, yeah. and they're riding a wave of 
profitability. Companies are throwing money at them. They got to they got to staff up quickly, and sometimes they have to do it without a plan because they got to get the stuff out the door. So they yeah, so they, they got to br- in... they they, they got to bring in the raw material and push it out as they yeah. go along. So our listeners know I go off on these little tangents sometimes, but I do bring it back around. I already have the circle drawn, even if I'm drawing it while <laughs> while I'm speaking it. it. I love it. But here it is. It all goes back to hiring that first employee, engaging yeah. that first contractor, um, building a relationship with that first outsource firm. Uh, let's start with the obvious question. Uh, what are some of the most common mistakes? How do they screw it up? Yeah. Well, I, I want to comment on one thing and then I'll get to that. What I think is also really interesting and very related to what you just said is not there are, I would say a lot of entrepreneurs in my world they graduated high school. They didn't even go to college. Like you, the, the reality is if you've got that entrepreneurial sort of flair and that's what you want to go for, the key is knowing who to get into your camp, right? The key yeah. is hiring or enlisting the right experts and so on and so forth. That's what makes a great entrepreneur, right? So you don't even need the MBA, just hire the MBA, right? Right. So, so going back to your question about what are the biggest mistakes people make, I think when I'm, particularly when I'm looking at the solopreneur, the person who's truly been doing it on their own for a really, really, really long time, right? And, and they're like, okay, I need I have to hire somebody, right? The the biggest mistakes are this. Number one is throwing in the kitchen sink into the drop job description. I'm going to have this person do everything, right? Number one, that person is never going to be you. They're not going to have the skin in the game that you have to stress yourself out and do everything under the sun, right? Because they don't own the company. So you need to get clear on your priorities and what it is you actually need this person to do. So that's that's number one, throwing in the kitchen sink. That's why I grew up. That's why I screwed up. Raise hand. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right, right. And then the second one is the opposite of that, which is kind of the same, is um, instead of throwing in the kitchen sink into the job description, not even knowing what the job description is and making it up as you go. So I'm just going to get this really great person in here. I'm going to make it up as I go. They're not going to know what's expected of them. I'm not going to know if I'm hiring the right fit because I don't even know what the job is. Right. So that's huge. That's a huge one, especially for the entry level stuff where you're just like, oh, I'm just going to hire my best friend's daughter. Right. Who is this person? What are they great? Uh What's their brilliance and their passion? Right. Going back to those words. Right. I mean, come on. You're, You're setting people up for total, total, total disappointment if you don't set expectations at the front end. And by the way, this is not just for your first hire. This is for every single organization out there. And this idea of like the sort of the startup. Right. This idea that you would just need to hire, 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 hire. I've seen those companies with the turnover rates and people. I mean, you want to hire somebody that's going to get the job done, not somebody who's going to walk out the door two weeks later. Right. So there's a lot that's very problematic. And I've worked with those companies. It's tough. Um, And then I would say the other mistake is not knowing yourself and what you really need to be focusing on. And not knowing if you have other team members, in the case of the first hire, that wouldn't be the case. But if you have other team members or other outsourced people, really understanding who they are and what they need as a team. So even in your first hire, knowing what your strengths are, um, where your passion lies, what do you want to be doing all day, right? What are those $10, $15 tasks you should be giving to somebody else, even though you might enjoy checking your email all day long or whatever you're doing, I don't. I don't. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, some people do, right? Yeah. Um, But I'm just saying, like, really taking a close look at yourself 
And then if you are going to try to hire the entry level person, being sure that you have the time to train this person, that you have repeatable processes that you know you're going to be able to set them in, you know, get the get get them in there learning how to do that they don't have to hit the ground running like, you know, chicken with their head cut off. Now, if you're yeah. hiring your first person who happens to be an expert, that's a whole other can of worms, right? I've done that before where I'm hiring at the six figure above level on somebody who I know has to come in and pull their weight immediately and work on something that is like really high end, right? So that's a whole different hire. Um, but most of the time I see the first hire as sort of that entry level, somebody trying to get those $10, $15 tasks off your plate. Not uh, always is that the case, you know? So it really yeah. depends on what you're looking for. Yeah. And uh, and to use a macro example to bring this back to micro, what we're seeing at least at this time is a lot of the, uh, a lot of the tech companies that really staffed up over the past couple of years in anticipation of where they thought things were going. Uh, you're now starting to see a lot of layoffs, a lot oh, of cutbacks yeah. and what have you. And I'll, oh, and I'll yeah. cite, and I'll cite the, uh, the most newsworthy example, Twitter. Uh, after Elon Musk uh, and his, and his group uh, acquired operational ownership of it, they released most of the employees. Now let's look at this from a few different angles. You had some of these employees who were posting videos online showing what the Twitter space worked like, and they were going on about, oh, the, we have the we have the napping pods, we have the little uh, soundproof booths where we can do our five-minute Zoom calls, we have the meditation rooms, we have the salt rooms, uh, they, they give us three meals a day for free, and, and I'm thinking, and all this, you basically said you come here to goof off, you're going to get fired. I mean, if I was working for a company like Twitter and I found a way to do my job in five minutes a day, the only thing I would want the boss to see is that is the end results. I'd all I'd only want them to see the deliverable. And I would want them to see that and feel like whatever salary they were paying me, they were getting paid full. They were getting full value in exchange for that money, because as long as they feel they're getting their value, they're not going to care whether I'm, you know, sitting upright in my cubicle for seven and a half hours a day, answering my phone on the second ring, taking my mandated 30 minutes for lunch and two 15 minute breaks and, uh, and uh, measuring my P PTO and all that. They're going to say, whatever, whatever magic dust you're snorting, just keep snorting it. I like this. And, and that is exactly, exactly what I'm saying is if yeah. you don't start the, the process with the expectation of what is the end result you want exactly. this person, to, what are they being measured on? What are your expectations? And then to your point, you know, at that point, you don't even care what, like how they got there. Right. And, yeah. and the one thing that, that is a little bit different here though, is salaried versus hourly, right? Because uh -huh. the hourly, it's like, well, how long did it take you? Right. <laughs> Yeah. Versus this, the, 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 the Twitters and the Googles of the world who are laying everybody off. Right. Um, that was a salary thing. And they were just throwing money at people, huge salaries. And in what you're talking about is workplace experience is now a huge part, huge yeah. part of HR and strategies and things like that. Um, but it's, but they can handle the turnover. And that's another thing you have to be aware of as somebody who's taking a job at these places is you could be out, you're in, you're out. Right. <laughs> Yeah, it's not necessarily that long term expectation. They're just going to see what you can do and then spit you out if you don't do whatever they on a whim expected you to do that. Day. So, yeah, it's it's a very different um, 
culture. Not everybody can handle it. I've seen people get spit out of those kind of tech organizations and, you know, they came out with, a, with some extra money in their pocket after working there for six months to a year, <laughs> but yeah. they were traumatized. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's, it's a whole, that's a whole other, we could have a whole podcast just on tech companies and, and oh, yeah. how that works, you know? Right, 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 right. Certainly. So this actually comes back to my point. I just want to make another brief one. A model I used to see a lot when I first got started as an entrepreneur that I'm seeing less of, particularly when it comes to uh, what we now think of digital marketing companies. Back then, they were thought of as uh, technical marketing support or web mastery. And the idea was you'd buy packages and uh, you'd pay for five hours a month. And what all what, what happens is in the real environment of business, your needs vary sometimes. Sometimes you don't barely need the person at all, but sometimes you need a lot of them. Yeah. And uh, but then there, but then there's the whole thing of well, should uh, should they, they they be allowed to bank their hours or should oh it be gosh. used it or lose it? And then, and, and, then, and then what happens is uh, you ultimately, um, as the client, you end up paying for stuff you don't really need because you got to burn those hours. Yeah. And as the provider you end up suggesting stuff that's really just candidly bullshit that uh, that's like activity to replace action so that you can say you can say to the client hey you paid me for 5 hours they gave you 5 hours worth of value even though most of it was fluff so they didn't lose right. the contract that's <laughs> that's not a way to go either way and i think all that comes down to is I think the really big question here, and if we can solve this one, we've probably given our listeners almost full value and we can just spend the rest of the hour having fun, um, is how do you, when you're doing that first hire, employee, uh, contractor, engaging the services of a firm, what like what is the process? You, you, you know you got to hire somebody because you got to grow. And are we going to start with these get the $15 hour stuff off my plate? Or are we going to be, I need somebody who knows more than me in X so that I can scale? Uh, first of all, how do we make that type of decision? Yeah. And then how do we even go about creating a description for that? Uh, because even if it's, uh, even if you're looking to just, you know, hire another company where you just pay invoices rather than even deal with the human being, you know, legally speaking, you're still dealing with having to define what it is so that they can do stuff for you that's valuable. You are you're speaking my language, Adam. The 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 big thing here is I absolutely cannot stand time for dollars um, models at all on either end. Whether it's I don't charge that way, um, and and anybody who you hire, you know, it's tough when they charge that way. You want it to be value based pricing yeah. is what you're saying, right? And I think as much as you can go towards that, both in terms of your own, you know, how you deal with your own clients versus how you deal with your employees is really really key, right? Um, so. So, yeah, you want to make sure that um, in a, your, your question, I think, was around the, the job description itself. Right. Yeah. So the way so the way I look at it is this way. Right. There's there's two pieces. One is there's a job advertisement. Right. And then there's a job description. Okay. You start with you start with the job advertisement. Right. That's the thing that's going to first go out into the world. Right. And your job advertisement is very similar to the same way you would attract a client. You want to attract an employee. Right. You want to be you want to have an attractive job advertisement. Right. 
And so you want to make sure that in that, the, the key pieces to that, right, is that you are expressing your brand, your culture, what you offer as an employee, as an employer in that job description right up at the bat, right? You want to catch their eye with this is what, what we're all about. This is our passion and brilliance, you know? Um, and then you want to get into what values and energy do you want that person to bring to the table? right? What are the shared values that are a must have for your organization? That's also kind of like an extension of your brand, right? What is, what, who does this person need to be? Um, and then you want to clarify must have versus nice to have skills. And this is a big one, especially in that entry level, um, but, but pretty much anywhere along the, along the line, right? What are the things they have to walk in and you cannot train them on? They have right. to know how to do this versus the things that are nice to have that you could potentially, if you get somebody with the right personality and values and all of that, right, that you could maybe train them on. And that might be a really valuable thing to spend the time training somebody who's the right fit, right, rather than oh, they can do all of these, they know how to do all of these things. And then the last piece, which is probably a little bit more um, vague to a lot of people is include language for how you expect them to get things done. And I know that this is maybe a little bit vague. I use assessments called Colby assessments to assess people for their cognitive strengths, which is how you solve a problem. Okay. If you can assess the job in this way to understand how you, what, what level of attention to detail does this person need to have? How organized do they really need to be? Right. And and how off the cuff, right. Some, some (laughs) of these fly by the seat of your pants kind of tech companies, they need you to have a sense of urgency that you're just going to keep going, going, going. Right. So Um, I think that there's a lot that goes into paring it down for a job ad. Mm -hmm. And then when you find the right person, then you need to shape the description to that person. What did you really get here? What can you really expect of this person, right? Versus the the pie in the sky unicorn who you wrote the job ad for, right? Yeah. Um, But you're never going to, I think the main thing is that kitchen sink is the big thing. You need to get clear on your highest priority tasks that need to get done, your highest priority values, right? That kind of stuff um, in order to put together the right, the right thing that's going to attract the person to say, yes, that's me. That's what I do. That's what I bring to the table. Does that make sense? Oh, it makes a lot of sense. And, uh, and I, and this is something I wish I knew when I was actually a job seeker 25 years ago is uh, understanding the companies have their must-haves versus would like to have. And if I had had that level of thought process, I might have been able to decipher that and get into their minds a little bit more and uh, pitch myself more effectively. Uh, you know, I think a lot of us have heard the the stories, uh, you see the tweets about it, uh, where you'll have let's just stay stay with tech here they're looking for somebody who has five years experience with a certain framework and the inventor of that framework says interesting job description however that framework's only been there for two years because i invented it (laughs) and then then i think there was one case i can't remember who it was and i believe it was a woman uh, who had developed some sort of uh, script or something she actually went and applied for the job that said you had to have seven years experience with something she had only developed three years earlier. <laughs> and uh, sh- and she got a phone interview with them and pointed that out. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it, isn't it funny? Like how, 
I can read job descriptions and immediately tell you that the person's already, or I should say job advertisements, people get them kind of convoluted, but I can tell you immediately if somebody shot themselves in the foot a lot of the times, right? How, how yeah. do you get someone who's going to be this really like organized, you know, focused person who also has to multitask and respond to every last thing. And then they have to be able to be very concise and summarize it. Then they have to be able to read every last detail of a contract. And then the, you just, those people don't exist. I mean, right. as a business owner, you have to be very, very careful about the fact that you oftentimes probably run yourself ragged with a lot of things that you don't do great, right? You don't, that's yeah. not your, but, but you have skin in the game. It's your business, right? I'm not saying you should do that, but no one else is going to do that, right? Like right. we talk about this thing of like, you know, um, taking one for the team and being a team player and everybody wearing all these hats and stuff. It is a recipe for disaster, know what you need and find the person who fits that thing. That is where the magic happens, right? Otherwise, you're probably going to end up with somebody who's not necessarily happy with everything they're doing. And you're creating a culture of stress, strain, conflict, uh -huh. tension, all of these things, right? Let's yeah. not do that. <laughs> now, now, now we're getting a little bit into the one-stop shop. Uh, Back when I back when I was involved in uh, when I had the web development firm and I did the digital marketing stuff, what have you, uh, we're going back like ten years now. I would occasionally have prospects show up saying, "You know, we're looking for a one-stop shop. We can hire for everything." And I would immediately say, "Well, you're not going to be a fit here." Yeah. And the, yeah. and the and the, and the, and the reason and there's two reasons because people have their intersections, their brilliance, and their passion. Uh, they may list 20 qualifications and 20 skills they have, but really four of them are, are the ones that they're really niched in uh, that they're actually really any good at, candidly. And then there's the other thing of you want to put all your you want to put that the entire stack of chips on one relationship no well what happens if that what happens if that company decides they don't want to be in that business anymore or the owner gets sick or um all their outsourcers quit or something like that then you're basically screwed you want to have basically basically what you want to have is you want to have some level of redundancy where you have a couple of those types of firms that have different specialties that fulfill different areas of your work uh, of what your company needs knowing that one could kind of pinch hit for the other if there was a transition between needing yeah. to replace one or something or something like that in fact uh in fact i had my experiences uh working with uh or trying to work with companies that build themselves as one-stop shops to support my business and i often found that they did a little bit of this and that but not really anything deep on what i was really looking for you know what, Adam, this is such a good, this is such a good topic. Again, we could go into this one in like detail, especially the digital marketing piece uh -huh. or marketing in general, because seriously, like it is, that is such a huge, huge group of various tasks and passions and brilliances, right? I mean, the same person who knows how to automate workflows is not going to be the person who writes copy, is not going to be the person who gets how to deal uh -huh. with social media algorithms and then the same person who understands the strategy behind why you should go for one target market versus the other people when 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 that one-stop shop gets thrown out there as something that somebody does that organization must be ginormous because they have for to be. A very few people very few small firms that can do all of those things geniusly and to be honest with you and i think you touched on this a little bit 
anytime I've ever hired a marketing company that has turned out to be really great, they have been honest about that. Like we do this, we do not do this. We do that. Like they know where they draw the line and they, they're not going to try to dabble in something just to make you feel happy that you can call them about uh, everything, you know? Right. So yeah, no, this is, that's a marketing in general. Wow. What, what a massive topic to not to, to, try to have as a one-stop shop. That's crazy. And if right. you're a business owner who doesn't know your own marketing strategy, like that's a whole other issue in and of itself, right? So there's uh-huh. that's just just ginormous. Yeah, well, that topic. Like uh, like we can talk about the whole web design thing. Now, what I found when I tried to scale my web development firm and bring on virtual assistants and project managers and designers and everything else, is uh, I ended up spending the entire day paying other people for the privilege of putting out their fires. My my <laughs> my my, my, cl- my clients didn't want to work with them. Uh, they only wanted to work with me. Uh, they uh, and and there's something you pointed out earlier is somebody and, and I was you know you know working with other contractors, other business owners to support this business. And the bottom line is they're going to be more brilliant and passionate about their own business than they are about mine, as it should be. Yeah, because they have their own thing going on, and I've seen and uh, and I realized where that was going, and I got the hell out of it. I mean, I saw and I've seen companies that uh, went to the corporate level of uh, selling websites and things like that. And boy, I I, t- I tell you, I I made a lot, I made a lot of money bailing people out of those decisions. Oh yeah. boy, let me tell you. But in the yeah. meantime, in the meantime, you've seen I've been around long enough to see certain people who. Uh, who themselves uh, did the webmaster stuff, the digital marketing stuff, and create a brand around themselves. And they, the way their business works is the combination of what they do themselves and other lines of business that they leverage by hiring other people to manage it for them, uh, uh, joint venture partnerships and what have you. I'll give a shout out right now to uh, my friend, Frank Deirdorf, who, uh, Frank Deirdorf, I Sorry, pronounce mispronounce his name. And I've uh, known him for ten years. I met him through some of the Armin Morin stuff, and uh, for at least fifteen years, he's been known as that one web guy. <laughs> yeah, he he and I he and I uh, he and I uh, currently share a client. So uh, you know, so I want to give him a shout out. He does fantastic work. But it's guys like Frank who have stood the test of time, and the reason being is they know their intersection of their brilliance and their passion and they stick with it. And if they get, if if they get involved and if they get involved in other businesses or other lines of businesses, they do when they do within partnerships and leverage. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's, that's part of this again, going back to this idea that, that, going out there and putting an ad out for your ideal employee is the same as your ideal client, right? Niching into, if you're looking for this thing and this is who you are, come and hire us, right? It's the same thing on the other end with the employee, right? If you're looking for a company that provides this and that and and really niching into what this person needs to do when they walk in yeah. the door rather than this kitchen sink, right? It's the same thing on the other end, the kitchen sink of we're a one-stop shop, right? There's no way to measure whether or not you're really successful there. It's like, oh, we, we did all the one, all the things you came to us for. Yeah. You know, how, how do you know what the expectation is on the other end? Right. It's like uh-huh. getting very clear. These are the results you're going to get from us. 
Don't come to me with all the things in the sphere of marketing. Come to me for web design. That's what I do. Or come to me for building, you know, funnels or landing pages or what. Like it's yeah. I mean, with 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 me with me, it's launching podcasts. There you go. That's <laughs> what I I do. I I have had yeah. I have had so many people who remember back when I used to own a web development firm saying. Are you sure you don't do the website stuff? I really right, 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 love right. for you. I will give <laughs> you a I will give you a ton of money because you're the only person I would trust with this. And my and I'll say, oh, so you're launching a podcast because that's the only way you're getting a website out of me. <laughs> and 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 I mean it too. And and you know the funny part is, I've gotten a couple clients that way because they'll say, oh yeah, I can do a podcast. Yeah, if you give me the platform, I can do the other stuff without the yeah. podcast. Okay, all right, sign on the dotted line. Let's do it. We did it. Well, and there's something to be said that your heart is in that. And yeah. and for entrepreneurs, I mean, we most entrepreneurs become entrepreneurs because either they have a passion they want to go pursue, or they want to be their own boss. Or something uh -huh. along those lines, right? And then what ends up happening is they end up doing things they don't want to do because they're worried they can't do the thing they wanted, and they're their own worst boss. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're like, wait a minute, why did I escape that thing that I didn't like? It was just pretty much right. the same thing as what I'm doing now. I don't like anything I'm doing, and I'm my own worst boss. Like, yeah. <laughs> how do you get there? Right. You know? So I so through my through the business consulting side of my business, I have this one client uh, where I'm. I guess I'm part of the team and. Uh, and it was through working with this group that I came to understand what the, the phrase asynchronous virtual team means. Mm -hmm. uh, you, have a, you have a group of us who support this business. And in terms of personalities, work styles, backgrounds, uh, even just the time of day that we do things is so disparate that trying to make this work took a bit of education and understanding in terms of how to get people to work together. So yeah. the way the so I the the client asked me to to work with her to figure this out and I determined a few things. Number one, we got to keep it as simple as possible. Because when you overprocess it, now you're going to be bogged down in meetings and conversations that don't need to happen. The second is uh, you, you've, you've got to spot the mistakes and write out the losses. That's that's the second. The third, and this might actually be first, is to create dependencies. So that, and what this basically means is if you have a project that's being worked on by more than one person to identify what person has what roles in it and use a project management software, in, in this case, teamwork, to say, okay, I... I've, I've built out this project flow. Uh, there are five tasks on it. Each one has a different owner and they're all dependent on each other where it'll show in the system, but it won't be released to that person until the person before them does theirs and checks right. it off. They did it. Right. And then, and then we have the sub conversation of how do we deliver the files to them? So they're not clicking 20 different places to get it. So I, so I keep, so I've had to impress upon him and I still have to sometimes that if you're giving them a document or giving them a link, you don't post it on your own task you just closed out. You post it on the dependent task so they have it in front of them. And I and, and if so and if somebody uh, does that to me, I'll say uh, go reopen your task and then uh, put the stuff on mine and close yours again. Yep. So so part of it is just reinforcement of 
very basic things we don't have to think about. Now going now go now further going this one step further is you know, what motivates people to meet deadlines. I'm asking you, what motivates people to meet deadlines? Ah, that's a really important question. Um, it varies by different people, right? It it uh -huh. it varies a lot, right? And you know, uh, this is one where I use I do use Colby a lot for how how do people work, right? How do different yeah. people respond to things like urgency and planning and things like that? And what's really important to know about yourself is you know what what creates what what makes you take action, right? Is it that it's on your calendar? Is it that it's on your to-do list? Is it that it's due tomorrow, right? Or uh -huh. that, you know, like there's there's so many different ways that people work. And so meeting a deadline, some people, they really need to plan things out. They need to know that they have the time to do what they need to do. And if you give them a short deadline, it's going to turn into complete chaos for them. Right. Other people, like myself, by the way, don't tell me something's due a month from now because it's going to fall off my radar. I yeah. need a short deadline. So if you don't know that about people, it gets very difficult to say, this is how we're going to do it. And then it only suits you or two other people. And the other person's like, but wait a minute, if you only give me three days, I need five days, right? So it's really understanding how each individual works and what they need. It's okay for you to have a three-day turnaround, but if this person needs five days, they need to be clear about it. And their task would be, especially when you're using something like a project management system, their uh -huh. dependency and all everything that comes up has to be shifted for them. And so yeah. it gets very complicated because you can't just expect everybody to work the same way and communicate the same way. In your case, especially with these asynchronous virtual teams, it sounds like a lot of people are kind of doing their work and then there's like handoffs versus yes. people having to collaborate together and meet and like really brainstorm or whatever they're doing together. Yep, that's all about. Right, so they're doing yeah. their separate work. And that's great because that means people can have very different strengths and very different skill sets and everything else. Mm -hmm. But what is important and what's coming to light is those handoffs and the schedule around those handoffs really being um, sensitive to the fact that some people, they need to follow, they need more time. They need more lead time. Other people yep. might need a reminder at the last minute. Some people need it to all be planned out, right? So what yeah. does each individual person need and how can you customize teamwork or whatever you're using? People use all Slack, all these different things now, right. um, Atlassian, whatever it is. To, to accommodate all those various types of working styles. And it is, I'm, I'm simplifying here. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's complicated, but you need to know each other and really understand that not everybody works the way you do, right? Yeah. So yeah, and automation is great. Reminding people, you know, notification, all that kind of stuff can be really, really helpful. Okay, okay uh, a quick story and then, uh, and then uh, the, the summary of a, of a research I actually did. I had this one client a long time ago uh, where uh, I can't remember what project we were working on, but it was something, it was one of our major projects. And I, and she said to somebody who then repeated to me that uh, the client had said something like, oh, don't, don't tell Adam it's due in two weeks because then he'll wait 13 days to do it. And so <laughs> I actually, I actually went back to the client. And I said, uh, uh, I, I said, Diane told me that you said behind my back that if you give me a deadline, it's two weeks away, I'll wait till day 13 to do it. She said, <laughs> well, yeah. I said, and? 
Yeah, exactly. And, and, you, caught and the, you, you, yep. you, you caught you caught the pause. So the, yep. so, so so the so to make that story short, I said if that's a problem for you, then give me different deadlines. Yeah. It, it, exactly. it, it, it's that, that simple. Give me if you if you if you if you want to if it's due in two weeks, but you'd like to see it in one week, tell me it's one week. That's but exactly then, what that, they but, were. But then, yeah, yeah, but yeah, but then, and this ties into the research project I did. I went around and asked people what motivates you to complete deadlines. And I I I've summarized the results in my book, Groundhog Day is an event, not a business strategy. It comes down to two things. When you create a deliverable, you see it put into action, not left in somebody's review queue. Because we, because you know, and I and I feel the same way. When we create things, we want to see them put into action. We want to know that our work is going to get a reward, and it's going to give us a if, candidly a feather in our cap. But if I'm building things and the client just sits on them, and they never review them, they never do anything with them. Hey, you know what? I got other clients that are chomping at the bit for me to get this done so they can put it out in, in, in the world and uh, we can see how it works. So I'm going to gravitate towards them. You let me know when you're ready to do stuff. That's one. The other is dependencies. I mean, it's so easy to, to forgive yourself for missing a deadline. But how do you feel if you let somebody else down? Oh, yeah. You can you can yep. let yourself you can let yourself down and just uh, whatever it is you do to uh, make yourself feel better when you're feeling down you can just do that and you'll be fine. And after a while you might get to the point where you just don't care. It's like, hey, <laughs> nobody else seemed to be all that worried about it, so I'm not going to worry about it either. But if yeah, you admit and- a bit, if you're not coming through on Thursday is going to inconvenience somebody's in, create an inconvenience for somebody's Friday. Well, you're going to find a way to work late Thursday to get it done. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that that's, that's, it's, it's so valid. Dependencies are huge. I mean, especially on massive projects. I've worked with massive projects with people offshore, different time zones. I mean, you need to know when something needs to be done in order for the other person to get their job done by the next date, right? And constantly chasing those things down as a project manager is something I did for a long time. It's not my favorite thing to do. I I used to call myself a professional nagger. That's literally Uh what I felt like. Did you do it yet? Did you do it yet? Right? Um, but I, but I feel like you're, you're touching on so many awesome things here because there's also just that simple conversation of what you had with that one person, which was don't give it to him because he'll do it on day 13. Probably what he needed was to give you an earlier date because that was the dependency he needed in order to, to get his part done or her part done in the time they needed to get it done. And yeah, it it all, we need to see how we impact other people's way of working again. Right. And the way to reinforce that. So if you find yourself in a situation where you have somebody who likes to work under the gun, likes to work last minute, but you'd like to get them to sooner. So you just change the deadline on them, create some, create an impact because after a while or after a short while, actually, people are going to find out that you're giving them artificial deadlines and they'll kind of lose interest. However, (laughs) if, uh, however, if she had told me that she wanted it done in a week instead of two weeks, uh, okay, so she wants me to turn it in seven days later instead of 14 days later. Okay, what's going on on day eight? Yeah, I mean... Uh, if, if something's going on on day eight, that me delivering by day seven is going to facilitate, well, then I don't care if you're running a game on me because I can, I because I'm seeing those two things. I'm seeing my deliverables being put to work and I'm seeing how my, me coming through helps others. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, I think you're absolutely right. There is like a motivational piece to that, like the reward of it. I think there's another side of this too, which, which goes even further into the idea of neurodiversity and how different people can be oh, yes. some of the mechanisms that they need to stay on track is like some people know themselves, you know, I mean, we can talk about ADHD, we can talk about all kinds of things where they're like, no, I need regular check-ins and that's okay uh-huh. just for the purpose of the regular check-in or whatever. Um, so being mindful that that not only is it working styles and really like the, the consciousness of all of that, but there's, there's so many people in our workforce nowadays who, if they really are honest with themselves, or even sometimes they know things about themselves that they're not necessarily disclosing. It's like, let's, let's ask people what they need. Let's ask people right. what, what it is. And, and, and not be so, this is the, this is the process. This is the way the process is. We're doing uh-huh. process improvement. And this is when the handoff hat, whatever. Let's be mindful of, people might not actually get it done the way you want if you're not paying attention to who they are. Yeah. And that goes right back to what I said at the beginning about spending day in, day out on process improvement to look uh-huh. at, you know, time studies and this and that and not taking who these people are into account. Who are right. you? What do you need? Yeah. And, some, <laughs> right? and sometimes you can only discover that by actually working with them. So with that yes. same client I mentioned before, where we have the asynchronous virtual team, uh, a big piece of my early work was going into that that teamwork software and i know there's a santa and there's monday and there's all those yeah. other ones pick the you know pick the one you teamwork like. is great yeah 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 i mean pick the one you like for anybody who's listening uh right yeah, i mean i mean i mean i mean the i mean i i give the same i give the same answer when it comes to what project management software should you use um yep. you, you need the one that does what you that essentially works. need for it to do right now <laughs> something that's likely yeah. to cover you in six months and most of all it's fun because if it's not fun people just won't do it and right. then they'll give you ultimatums if you try and force them uh but but here but, but here's here's what here's what a big piece of my work was was developing uh and, and since you're familiar with teamwork you know you can build task lists you yep. can import it that you can import into a project so i built out a whole bunch of those and implemented them and i didn't spend too much time on going back to each individual person and and finding out you know what makes them happy and 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 what makes them feel good and and what they hope to see happen and all that i just built something that i thought made sense and then uh and then ran a few and said do it and then and then i monitored it to see okay so what worked what needed to be adjusted uh where did certain people's idiosyncrasies come into play and say okay so now we have that data so i can go back and i can revise the i can revise the task list and make it more closely adapt to people we're working with and uh we have and and that client has task lists they've been using that haven't been edited in four years because they work because we went through that process of you know, do the best you can to build one that kind of makes sense and then just put it out there and try using it and allow the issues to surface, then capture them and make adjustments. Got to start somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, what, what you what no one would probably accuse you of is having no initiative, right? You just right. wait for it. <laughs> yeah, right, right. I get it. I get right, it. Right, right, yeah. right. And, and, right, right. And, and when I when I first took that tax, somebody actually, you know, pulled me aside and said you know this seems kind of arbitrary and i said yeah it is very arbitrary uh go with it because this is how we're this is how we're going to find out how to make it non-arbitrary yeah yeah uh, i i yeah we need we need to see an action that's really the best way we're going to find out uh i mean we can do interviews and and checklists all day long to figure this out but that's that's not going to get us there as fast as just getting our hands on it and making it happen 
So I think I think that's a big thing too is when you hire that first person or that first that or that first uh, contractor would have you is to be aware that you don't have all the answers. That's what I'm getting. You don't you're not going to necessarily be able to craft it all perfectly. And there's certain, especially if it's your very first one, there's some of this you're just going to have to make the best assumptions you can and go with it and tweak as you go along is that, am i am i getting out about right um i think i would i think the way i would say that i i, I get what you're I, you definitely have a valid point um i guess what i would say is be clear on what it is you're expecting in terms of results which we already yeah. talked about like be clear on what absolutely what it is you're expecting in terms of results know yourself and how you work so that you don't hire somebody who's completely going to be in conflict with how you work, right? And, and again, this gets down to some assessments that I work with. So you're not going to necessarily understand what I mean right off the bat, right? Uh-huh. And then, and then, yeah, there's always going to be things where you have to create a new process or you have to do, right, where you're not going to necessarily know it right off the bat, but that right. would still be tied to the result and the reason you hired this person in the first place, right? Like, yeah. you're not all of a sudden going to be like oh now you're doing this completely other job and we're expecting something completely different of you well yeah and the other thing would be if you do have a process in place where you're going to expect someone to to behave in a specific way they have to be very detailed or they have to be very planned out or they're the one ticking and tying all the dependencies and tracking everything right that's a how that you can hire to and again that's what i'm getting at when i get at some of the assessments is if that's going to be their job because Adam no longer wants to do it because it's not in his wheelhouse and it's something he hates doing, right? Yeah. Well, now you can hire the right person. And that's what I mean by know your existing team and know yourself. The things that you need to get off the plate and those priorities, now you can really strategically hire the person who does the things you need to fill gaps or to shift things off of people's plates where they might not be in the right place. This requires a lot of analysis. This is not somebody somebody's going to walk away yeah. with this podcast and be like, oh, now I know exactly what to do. That's one of the things I help people with right is to to start to come to terms with with that so i would say yeah you really can get clear on what it is you really need yes there are going to be things that happen along the way that you might need to hear in there tweak and processes that might need to get created or whatever else but i think there's some fundamental things you want to hire towards right i know your priorities you know right and uh and and another thing that just came to mind as you were saying that is this this is a completely different client than any of the ones i've mentioned up until now they had a team member who was struggling making a lot of mistakes and the client then said oh not only is is so-and-so making a lot of mistakes but uh they also don't really seem to bring a lot of ideas to the table and i and we had a discussion about who that team member was. And we noticed that that team member also had uh, five other business ventures they were involved in. So, oh, so, 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 what I, so yeah, so I said okay. the client is they, they, they're, they're viewing you as a cash cow to fund their lifestyle and pay their bills. You know, if you have some people on board like that, they could potentially stay with you for 20 years. Yeah. All you so, all you all you got to do is give them task work and spell it out. So we also need to be clear on one other thing, Adam, is that yeah. hiring the 1099 or hiring outsourcing or hiring people yeah. that have their own businesses is very very different than hiring an employee W oh, yeah. they work for you and it is such 
a much better scenario when uh -huh. you can truly hire somebody and have a lot of control and a lot of say in like who that person is and develop that person versus all the outsourcing. I'm not saying outsourcing is a bad idea. There's yep. so many great reasons. Like the first thing I outsourced was my bookkeeping. I suck at it. I wanted it off my plate, right? Yeah. But I don't really get into how they do it or why or whatever. And it's very clear. So I, I feel like, you know, we need to also make a distinction that once you are able to hire a real employee, a W-2, they're yours, you're, you're, you have an employee handbook, you've got, you know, you're, you're able to give them, you know, perks and workplace experience and all that stuff. That's where the real magic starts to happen is you're starting to develop a real bond, a real team. You, you want that longevity, all of that. And, you know, not to discount the, you know, the, 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 the partnerships and things that can form through, um, JVs or through that kind of stuff, but it's a very different approach, I guess, is the point I'm making. You yeah, can yeah. still assess some of these other things I'm talking about, but you're not truly hiring necessarily the way the way I'm using that word, I guess, is the question. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, and particularly when you're dealing with um, 1099 situations, independent contractor situations, yeah. and when you're hiring a company rather than an individual, yeah, uh, you have to bear in mind, you don't have that level of control. In many states, you have those three-point tests and what have you, and you don't want to end up having to pay for their taxes and no. health insurance on oh top God. of everything else. So <laughs> you, learn, you learn to roll with it, and you learn to actually yeah. to use some of that to your advantage. And that, yes. now, that was my that was my point with with that client is uh, as I said okay this one is not the one who's going to innovate a lot of stuff uh, they're also not the person you want to put in front of your of your uh, business relationships who require a lot of diplomacy because this person uh, is not only not diplomatic they're anti diplomatic they actually are at the point where they truly don't give a shit and they will piss your people off for laughs. So you yeah, don't. I'm not you sure don't, why you want you, that person involved you, in general, but that's you don't. You don't. You, yeah, but but see that. But see, you can take that energy and you can channel that uh, because they they don't they don't want to be in, they don't want to be involved in diplomacy. What they do want to be involved in is rapid task completion. So you give someone like that work that they can turn around quickly, uh, that they can have some fun with. Uh, actually, uh, giving them some room to innovate it and play with it a little bit on their own terms. But the idea is. They're using this as a thing that doesn't stress them out. And if you can provide that environment for them, they will stay loyal to you and you'll keep them for a long time and you'll have a lot of your tasks covered. It all goes back to expectations. Yeah. Right. If the so, expectation so, was a million ideas a day, then that expectation is not met. But yeah. if the expectation is complete these 10 tasks every day, expectation is met. So again, it all uh -huh. comes down to yeah. what are you what are you expecting of this person? I mean, it's so completely clear. It's like that in any relationship, by the way. We could take this outside of the work environment, right? Oh my it's god. Expectation, yeah. right? What do you what is it that you're expecting here? Where do you what are your uh, deal breakers, right? You can't come right. in here and have a crappy attitude. Okay, if you do, you're out, you know, whatever those uh -huh. things are. What, so, what 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 I mean by anti-diplomatic is they saw absolutely no point in in uh, kissing somebody's ass because somebody has sure. a title. That's I what they meant. They, they just they just were they were just so to the point that they would uh, they would irritate someone like that just for the sake of saying, "Huh, look at that stuffed shirt with their big <laughs> title." And I, and I and I and I got I got them good. And they would get a laugh out of that. So <laughs> that's not the person you put in front of those relationships. Yeah. But that's the person 
they that's the person you can depend on to deli- to deliver the stuff that you can hand to your diplomatic content that'll make you look good yeah so it's just it's just a matter of those things. Well, we could go on for 20 hours, but Sounds we're actually like technically it. we're technically over time here. <laughs> yeah. Thank God. Thank God we don't have an exact timer on this. So <laughs> what I want to do is I want to extend an invitation. You've come up with something really nice for our audience. I really hope they take up with uh, it's the delegation visualization globe. Excuse me. Delegation, visualization, guided audio. And what it does helps you unlock what's possible when you stop managing and start delegating. So you yes. can use this audio and the companion worksheets to tap into your desire to let go, get back your time and grow through delegation. Uh, normally, I think it's something like $37 or $47. Uh, right now, if you use the code TBC show, I'll say that again TBC the business creators show tbc show and you go to delegationvisualization.com that's delegationvisualization.com go pick that up i'll probably get it for myself uh, cuz i i i'm always looking for that slight edge any 3% or 5% and that's part of what we teach here at business creators radio is always look for that slight edge and look in places that nobody else is thinking to look because you may find the answers that nobody else is getting And with that, Andrea McKenzie, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an honor and believe me, an education. Yeah, it's been so much fun. And I I just also want to mention that my website, Lead with Harmony, is where you can find all kinds of information. But if you go there, one of the things that pops up is a free job advertisement checklist. So very, very um, aligned with what we talked about today. It's a very quick checklist. I see it now. Yeah, I see it now. It's, It's very short, but then, you know, you'll get some other videos and things. So um absolutely ties in all right well thanks again all right thank you we trust you enjoyed today's episode of the business creators radio show check out our previous and upcoming episodes on our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com while you're there be sure to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you until next time have a great day take care